Hello, I'm Kevin. And I'm Mike. And this is Six Degrees of Schwarzenegger, the podcast where we're taking a long, hard look at some of our favorite action movies from the era of Arnold. Schwarzenegger is the icon of the genre, and we're taking a deep dive into some of the 80s and 90s cult action movies and breaking them all the way down. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm here with Mike. This is Kevin and we're going to do a special bonus episode about another John Carpenter and Kurt Russell movie from 1981, Escape from New York, a real classic. Um, This was not their first collaboration because they did some TV movie, right? They did uh, Elvis and they had done Elvis like a couple years prior. But it was a television film, and so this was their second movie they had done together. Yeah, Kurt Russell's like an Elvis guy. I feel like he's yeah. played Elvis more than once in his career. Yeah, he's he did it in Forrest Gump, right? He played Elvis. Was he Elvis in Forrest Gump? He was. I think it was Elvis in Forrest. I Gump. think that might even. I think he there was, was even voice. more movies. Or he did that uh, Miles to Graceland, whatever movie, or where it was like two Elvis impersonators. If it wasn't Forrest Gump, then it was uh, what was the Tarantino movie with. Oh, uh, Christian oh, Slater, True Romance. True Romance. He might have been the voice of him then. Yeah, I, it, he's done it before. Yeah, he loves Elvis. Him and Nick Cage, I think, both are like big Elvis guys. Yeah, but he's that was the time he was raised. So I, I guess so. I guess, yeah, like Elvis it's was like his their, hero. Michael Jackson. I don't even know who you would compare <laughs> him to now. So, um, so anyway, uh, the music opens with like a really long opening credit sequence right with just the music playing mm-hmm. it's very john carpenter music oh yeah it, yeah i remember when we were looking at it, it was like a, this is a whole minute of credits like yeah, more and it was two or three minutes and out of like a movie that's only 90 minutes, yeah. <laughs> two, <three> minutes <laughs> but the music was like sheer john carpenter oh yeah i could hear that same music playing like over halloween but the music much like carpenter's movies is like i think it's most effective when it's really simple simple and effective you know like if you think about Carpenter's best movies, The Thing or Halloween or The Fog, whatever, or They Live, it's like a very simple premise mm-hmm. and executed superbly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, you know, yeah, he's not like I said earlier. He's not making a, a symphony here. He's, but he's <laughs> and like, not I to, need to get from point A to point B. Not to knock music. Big Trouble in Little China, but if there's a problem with the movie, it's maybe that there's too much shit going on. You know, like they could have removed some of the moving parts and maybe it would have been a more streamlined, better movie. Yeah. yeah. So they open up like they give us a little backstory. Starts off in 1988. 88, right. They're telling us crime is skyrocketed uh, and the president or whoever moves to like make the island of Manhattan into just one big prison. The idea of like an island prison is not a new idea. You know, you have like Alcatraz or even older than that, like wherever Napoleon, where they kept him locked up. Yeah. So sort of. Oh, shit. Yeah. You're right. That's how Australia started. That's a big island. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But um, the island of Manhattan is surrounded by a big wall that they put up and there's like armed police and the bridges and tunnels have mines on them, which doesn't make the most sense. Like. Why would they not just demolish the bridges? Yeah, why not keep up with that? <laughs> I just thought that or the tunnels, you can like cave them in. They, they're like that was like not in the budget. <laughs> like they had enough money to put like these landmines there, but not yeah. enough to deconstruct I just, all these bridges. Yeah, it seems like the same explosives you're using to mine it, you could also just yeah. use to blow it up. And it was and they're pretty hardcore, like with their prisoner system too, because they have that one scene where the like there's two guys trying to escape on a raft, yeah. a makeshift raft. 
and uh, you see them like going across the, the water and a helicopter flies over top and it's like, okay, you have like 10 seconds, to, to, <laughs> like 10 <laughs> seconds, <laughs> not like a minute, like you have 10 <laughs> seconds to turn around and get your butt back to New York. And I think they might have been trying to turn around. And, <laughs> doesn't matter. They straight blew them up. Yeah. yeah it was they, like. Did they send a rocket down they, there? I don't even know what it was. It was like, yeah, some sort of missile or mine or whatever. But it blew them up. It's like, yeah, why even warn them? Yeah. Like, you just straight blow them up. <laughs> I mean, I think everyone who's trying to escape, they know what the deal is. Every inmate on here is serving a life sentence. Yeah. And we didn't understand, like, what. Like, what's the pen- like? What's the line? <laughs> what's the penalty? Like, if you're called jaywalking, do you get sent? You're there? still in the Snickers bar. Y- yeah, if you're like three times Snickers bar, then you're sent to like Manhattan prison. Like that seems. I gotta harsh. think that there's other lesser prisons. That seems harsh to send them to that type of prison, especially for where the rest it's of like life. there's no supervision in this prison, so it's very inhumane. Like the conditions there. Yeah, I mean, if just, you're not on top, you're on bottom. You know. Yeah, and obviously they've given up on like what's the word when they try to like um, uh, re- rehabilitate yeah rehabilitate people. They just give no. up on that. Like there's like yeah, Jesus Christ, you don't blow them out of the water for for a, a parking. I know, yeah. I know, I would have probably been sent there in my younger years. And look at me now, I'm a shining example of American citizen. You're like got a kid and all this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pay my hell? taxes. <laughs> um, but so we got Kurt Russell is like arriving with a, it seems like a, a shipment of new prisoners. Mm-hmm. Kurt Russell, before he made this, right, he had made, he was basically known as a uh, Disney kid. Yeah. Which is so crazy to me that to know him now, like I don't I can't imagine anybody who watches a Kurt Russell movie now knew that that guy started off as a freaking so Disney, Disney kid. Disney like a teen, like heartthrob. Yeah, yeah. So he had, but before this movie, he made like you had talked about that Elvis movie. Yeah. But then he that made. That was like his first adult movie, maybe. I, think I don't know. Was. But before he made this movie, he was the voice of Cooper in The Fox and the Hound. So okay. that's about as Disney as you can get right there, <laughs> the Fox and the Hound. Even though it had like a kind of an adult theme, still it was like an animated movie. And after that, he made Escape to New York. Yeah. So Kurt Russell was definitely trying to uh, make a change in his career. Make, yeah. Make more like action films, more like adult type theme films. I got to think that Kurt Russell and Carpenter like just clicked on the set of that Elvis movie. Yeah. And he's like, we got to do something else together, yeah. like a real movie, you they, know? They've made, what, three? Made four, four, movies four movies together, together. in their yeah. career, yeah. And this was like the first theatrical release type movie that they did. Yeah. And Escape from New York and, and The Thing are two, like, classic movies. Classic, classic, great movies. So, yeah, they, they definitely collaborated well together. But Kurt Russell, he's got the, he's got a, a great look, long hair. He's got the like little tank top on. And he's got an eye patch, and it stuck out to me when we were watching. I was like, you know, eye patch technology has not really changed yeah. in the last two hundred years. Yeah, it's, it's just a black satin. Yeah, eye patch. Very, I mean, even be- today, if I was to picture someone wearing an eye patch, that was what I would picture. Like, I don't think anything's changed from '87. You know, or eighty one to ninety seven to now, now. We did we did talk about uh, what was that movie Weird Science where yeah. there's a character in that film that has an eye patch, but it's like a metallic uh-huh. sewn onto his face. Okay, eye patch. But like we were saying, John Carpenter probably didn't have the budget to have Kurt Russell sit in a chair for three hours, so he was just like slap on this eye patch. Oh yeah, uh, Kurt Russell's being like walked through the prison, and there's an audio recording playing where. One thing that's awesome about it is that they're offering 
prisoners like the right to just choose to be terminated right now yeah and like if you want to be terminated and cremated right now notify you know your watch yeah. your your guard or whatever so two things about that first off like if you are that jaywalker that got sent to the prison i'm choosing death because there's yeah. no way i'm gonna be able to like deal with all these rapists and murderers. <laughs> you're gonna like do life rest, yeah like being somebody's gimp or whatever yeah, exactly. <laughs> but another kind of uh interesting thing is that is the voice of Jamie Lee Curtis, who we all know was in Halloween. So he's very cool. Yeah, John Carpenter really likes to keep it close to the breast when he has his uh, uh-huh. his actor. He called in a favor, probably like, "Hey, will you do this for me?" Did, I mean, does she even get paid for that? I don't think she was in the credits. I don't think she's. Yeah, she's not in the credits. I think I saw that on Wikipedia. If she's not in the credits, she probably didn't get paid. So Tom Atkins is introduced. He's like a I don't. Know, he's like a security guard or like his head of security. He seems like a head of security, yeah. maybe. And then then we also meet Lee Van Cleef, and he's yeah. like head of the prison. Correct. It feels like and Lee Van Cleef. I mean, I don't really know him from much else other than this and the Sergio Leone, this, the Man With No Name movies. Yeah, the good, um, the bad, and the ugly, for sure. So he shows up in a limo. I'm not really sure why that's not explained, but he pops out bald head, earring in his yeah, ear. Gold, ear, gold hoop. hoop earring. <laughs> Which I wonder if that was just his look that he had at the time or if that was like their picture of the future of th- this guy would have an earring. I have... My personal feeling is that that was his everyday look. That was leave. I I totally midlife uh, crisis. Yeah. Like you know, he's like he was a cool guy, <laughs> and he's like you know I'm just gonna be in New York for a couple of weeks to film this movie. Like I'm not taking my earring out for this. So Lee Van Cleef is arriving because there's some sort of crisis going on. Like an airplane has strayed into this restricted airspace around the prison, right? Yeah. Did they not know what airplane it was? They didn't know at first. It was like a code name for the airplane. It's like David something or David 14 or Mm -hmm. something. And they're like, what is this airplane? We don't know what's going on. Tell them to leave. And they couldn't contact the airplane. And then they get like the intel or whatever that. Air, the whatever that code name is is a code name for Air Force One. Yeah, they call. So they, oh shit, like, oh, it's the president. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we get this terrorist like lady on the uh, radio Was talking she the last about survivor of that terrorist group. I don't know I like how she were, got on the airplane. There right, were other people that were dead, but they, I felt like they were like the co-pilot and the pilot. Yeah, yeah, like, I think yeah, the, the, the you don't see the pilots were dead. It's unclear how she got on the airplane. I mean, that's got to be. You know, we're used to TSA now being strict, but the yeah. the security to get on board Air Force One has to be incredible. So I, I was looking this up on IMDb, and it's there's a character named Stewardess that's okay. like a flight oh, attendant. Oh, do you think that's her? Attendant. So I wonder if she just posed as a flight attendant huh. and then maybe like poisoned their food or something. I thought the weird part of that whole scene is, so she she's going to, she's taking over the airplane, right? Uh-huh. And she's going to make this big... Uh, movement or this big demonstration of yeah. their power and so she crashes it into not the world trade center yeah but it really it's like it was really close right beside it yeah and it's it's so weird to see this movie now and to know what happened you know absolutely on, on, uh, it was 11. it was creepy it's really weird to see that like you it makes you think that that young osama bin laden see this movie and like he uh, get his idea i mean I, let's hope not okay so in headquarters, they're able to see that the president got out. They see like a little dot on their screen, basically. This like the very primitive like computer yeah. simulation of what the city looks like or whatever. Yeah, it looks like an Atari video game. <laughs> <laughs> but so they send in like a squad of of 
or like a rescue squad or whatever, a bunch of dudes, maybe they're prison guards. I don't know, but they're like all decked Special out forces. They're like in the to- full, like tactical gear with like machine guns and head to toe black with the boots and the yeah. mask. But it's still like what tactical like SWAT guys are still wearing today, basically. Yeah. Like any time you see like an uprising in a, another country and they're the cops are being pelted by like rocks and, rubber bullets and water and Molotov cocktails and everything. That line of cops is exactly what these cops look like. It's very cool that they got that right or that hasn't changed, I guess, whatever it is. Maybe John Carpenter knows something about the future. Well, it was like that when you think of like the military or militarized police, like that's sort of what you picture, right? Yeah. Um, And those guys come in, they find the pod, but it's empty. Mm -hmm. And then there's like a creepy laugh like it sounds like a clown, you know, or something from off screen. And then this little weird dude weird as hell comes out. He's like almost like almost like he's got his face like whited out or something. Like mm-hmm. he's very pale mm-hmm. with like dark circles around his eyes. And then he's got his hair like sp- not spiked up, but just all poofed back up yeah. everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And he says if they don't leave, he dies. Uh, you know, and then he, pr- he knows what he knows what they're there looking. At. Yeah, and he produces like this severed finger yeah, from his pocket weird. with like a presidential ring on the finger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that character, we when we first looked at it, we thought that might have been like an early Michael Bean. Yeah, he looked like him. He yeah, sounded, sounded like him. And Michael like Bean, him. I feel like, is kind of a smaller guy. And I can see Michael Bean doing that movie. Like maybe that was like one of the first. Yeah, because I think he did. What, what, I don't know what year Terminator came out. It was eighty four. Yeah, so it was, it was like was, close. Working, struggling actor at that time, so we thought it was him. Yeah. But no, it turns out that this guy named Frank Doubleday, who had been in another uh, uh, Carpenter movie, Assault on Precinct, I think. Okay. Uh, Assault on Precinct Thirteen. He played like a, I mean, just like a a guy. Like a guy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, he he really kind of he made that part memorable. Yeah, he from this goes movie over top with this film role. Yeah, yeah. he's like very creepy. Um, yeah. so. He starts doing like a countdown. He's like, you got 30 seconds to get out of here. Much like the at the beginning of the movie. I kind of like that countdown he did because it was no kind of like... There was no negotiation. There was no negotiation. He was just like... Because he was like 20. Yeah. 19. <laughs> and then the guy's like talking to him. He's like 18. Yeah. He never like wavers from his countdown. Right. So Lee Van Cleef and the, and the SWAT guys, like they bug out. Um, they're back at base trying to figure out another plan. And then Lee Van Cleef seems to be like, you know, this is our only choice. This is our only option. And they bring in uh, Kurt Russell mm-hmm. or Snake. Uh, and man, he comes in, he's shackled up, but he is so damn cool, man. <laughs> yeah. I love that character. He's like, call me Snake. Yeah, that's a that's an iconic character for sure. That's so different that from what Kurt Russell had to have ever done before, right? Oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, this is where Kurt Russell was trying to... Um, uh, this is where Kurt Russell was trying to get away from that Disney type character that he had played earlier. Right. Trying to make more adult action films. Um, He's like a cool yeah. anti-hero. Yeah. Like, yeah, he, he just, he really nails it. Um, it's so different from Jack Burton, right? Like Jack Burton is like all talk and he can't really back it up. And snake seems to be like very man, a few words and a lot of action, you know? So it's interesting you say that. I don't think he could have... I don't think his career would have been as successful if he had done Jack Burton first. 
Like, because okay. he would always come off as... Pigeonholed like, as, like, comedy? Yeah, like a comedy, kind of like a clownish character. But the fact that he did this movie and then he did the thing after that, yeah. he kind of solidified himself as a more dramatic adult actor. And then he could have fun with characters like Jack Burton. Yeah, he always know. had the comedy talent, and now he showed with this, I guess, that he was more than just a comedy actor. Yeah, I don't know how that works, like, because Robin Williams grew up as a comedian, and he was able to nail dramatic roles. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that just is luck, or if that's just the uh, quality of the actor. Yeah. Like, that they mm -hmm. really nail the role, because I don't know, some people just aren't taken seriously when they try to venture outside of their comfort zone as an yeah. actor. But Kurt Russell does it you know yeah and I, I guess that has a lot to do with how the director directs them and now know. when i think about Kurt russell now i think of him first as a serious actor uh, yeah and i think of him as a disney as a, and then later as like the comedy and the child star yeah. stuff or whatever i mean obviously he was he's 20 something years older than i am so i wouldn't have known him as a disney character anyway but you yeah. say disney character and you think of britney spears and so for him to take this role on he was, uh, who, who was the girl that really went nuts and was like, I'm not ever going to, like, she did Wrecking Ball and... Um, oh, Miley Cyrus. Yeah, Miley Cyrus. He totally, he totally pulled a Miley <laughs> Cyrus, like, early on. Like, he was, like, I'm not this kid actor anymore. Like, he, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's very impressive because he's so, he's so cool in this yeah. character. I mean, so... We find out that he's like a special forces war hero guy from his past. There's references to a, like a war in the Soviet Union, like a St. Petersburg or Moscow or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. A war that hadn't happened. I guess it's maybe the war that's ongoing. Yeah, it was a it was a war that he was probably in, and then yeah, it's uh, World War Three. I guess it sounds like World War Three because it's between the United States, it's between China and Russia. But at any rate, yeah, he's like. A famous sort of war hero and like super elite soldier, right? And he's got two purple hearts, and we think that one of those purple hearts came from losing his eye. Had to be. We we don't know that for, for yeah. fact. They It'd be weird him. to find out, yeah, that he was born with one eye. Yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So Snake Kurt Russell was arrested for trying to rob a Federal Reserve bank. Yeah. That's what he's going to jail for. So How obviously, like a, trying to rob a federal bank, that gets you sent to New York. I, I will apparently. say this about this movie that everybody in this movie is very conveniently placed in a position to help somebody else. Out. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll and you'll know what we're talking about when we get to it later on. But it's like the the president's plane is hijacked and they need like the best war hero ever. To go save him. And he just so happened he to arrived be tonight. in your prison that very day. Yeah. Like, this wasn't like two weeks later or anything like that. So very, you just call this very convenient film. <laughs> yes. They, well, you know, that's how they keep this running time down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, Lee Van Cleef, he offers him a deal. Like, we'll give you a full pardon if you can go into New York City, get the president, and get him out in 24 hours. Mm -hmm. um, Snake is like... He's not buying it at first. He's very dubious. He tells him, just get a new president, yeah. <laughs> which I thought was a good line. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't understand it because they what they need is they need the president to, for whatever reason, the president really needs to be at this summit. I think it's not even so much the president needs to be there as this tape that he's got in his possession about like, 
it seemed like maybe nuclear fusion to solve a world like a world energy crisis. Yeah, or something. it's just weird that that's information that they could have. Well, you can't deliver it today, then deliver it to us tomorrow because yeah. we're just really can, happy that the president <laughs> is still alive. But none of that is like he it's like they really make a point to say that the president has to be at the summit. Yeah. And I, I just never understood that. But again, it's a movie, you know, <laughs> suspension of disbelief. I mean, yeah. So I think Snake sort of realizes, well, I'm going in here one way or the other, like going into New York one way or the other, either, either as a prisoner who's never going to get out or I can take this chance. Maybe I can rescue the president and get myself yeah, out he of sees here. It as a That's a, you know, he, you can't say no to that offer. Yeah, he I sees guess. it as a chance to get out of there. But then they give uh, him no choice in the matter because then they stick those two yeah. charges in his <laughs> neck. I feel like this would be a bigger part. Of, well, I guess it is kind of a bigger theme in the, in the film. But what they basically do is they stick these two little charges in his neck. Well, first of all, they're like, here, take these little shots. And he's like, sure. He's like, we got to give you these shots for, yeah, for some sort of bacteria or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Like, he's it's like, like sure, a, whatever. Uh, a, a vaccination <laughs> for something. Yeah, and then the doctor's like, tell him. Like, <laughs> why did that doctor have any problem with it before he stuck him with the, the yeah. little charges? But anyway, so he sticks him with the charges. Lee Van Cleef, whose name is Hawk in the film, he tells him, uh, okay, so if you're not back in like 24 hours, these little charges will dissolve and they are basically miniature like bombs in his yeah. neck. And I, when I first heard that, I was like, oh shit, his head's going to blow off? That's kind of cool, like Running Man. But what they are is they, they're these little pinhead charges that will explode in his neck and they'll pop his jugular vein, yeah. which will kill him, basically. Yeah, he'll, he'll bleed, bleed out. out, yeah. So he if he doesn't get back in 24 hours with the information... So they're saying only we can stop you from dying in 24 hours. But the thing is, if he had like he's complaining, what if I can't find him or what if he's dead already? They don't care. <laughs> they don't care. I, I mean, <laughs> honestly, the police state is the bad guy in this film. Not, uh, no doubt. Not the, the bad guy, bad guy. So, yeah. So he really has like zero choice in the matter. Like he has to, to fly. In. At this point, he just has to fly in. They also gave him like a really rad assortment of like '80s weapons. Hey. They're just all laid out on the table, but it's like throwing stars yeah. and like yeah. you know, uh, a ninja star. I know. Really. <laughs> it's like that's awesome. There's like knives and little guns and all sorts of shit. Yeah, I wanted there to be like some nunchucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who takes ninja stars to a fight? <laughs> I feel like he he might use those though. He, he does use it, but, but it it's so like '80s. Something that you would send a teenager. Into it's something a fight. out of the GI Joe cartoon. Yeah, like it was not. That's give him more bullets. He doesn't need throwing stars, yeah, you know. A little kind of crazy, but <laughs> um, anyway, they give him like a tracking device, and they put him in a glider. They give him a tracking device that doesn't make sense because it's you. There's a secret button to activate it or something, yeah. And it only tells us your location for 15 minutes, then it stops working. Yeah. It's, okay. It's an on-off button. Sure. That is a convenient plot device. <laughs> it doesn't work all the time. You know, it's not like measuring your vitals or anything. Well, I wonder if it's just because <laughs> if you keep it on the entire time, that would drain this battery. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Know, Whatever. Um, but they put him in a little glider. They take him off with another plane towing it, and they let him go, and he zooms around lower Manhattan for a minute and then lands on top of the of one of the Twin Towers of the World I, I Trade Center. I think that's one of the reasons that they, they recruited him for this position, because not only was he a war hero, but he was probably the only person in the world that could land a glider on yeah top of the world trace and some kind of like super glider pilot yeah yeah. i mean that is like a skill that nobody has (laughs) (laughs) so he comes down to the street level and he finds the wreckage of air force one 
And I personally thought there was like way too many large, like intact pieces of the plane. For it to have flown into a building. Yeah, yeah. Like, we've seen what happens now when like a plane flies into a building. There's nothing left. Yeah, but I, yeah, I mean, but they don't know back yeah, they then. They don't know. Plus, they needed to have a set piece. To yeah, so you need that big tail of the plane with like the presidential seal or yeah, whatever. On they needed it, right? to show something. I'm surprised they didn't show like. Couple of dead bodies there, but that, it, whatever. So he starts tra- using his little device to follow the tracker to the president. Um, he enters like a like a a playhouse, I guess, a theater. Basically. There's like festive music playing, and he enters in, and there's like a stage with a show going on with a bunch mm-hmm. of men in drag, like mm-hmm. singing show tunes, and a audience watching and got yeah. like big smiles on their faces. I mean, you're in prison, you still need to be entertained, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, I thought Ernest Borgnine is there. Yes. He's playing yeah. Cabby. He is loving this show. Yeah. <laughs> He's got like the biggest grin on his face. He's watching these I guys just, and like feather boas. And anyway, I feel like he just had a, a fun time <laughs> with this movie. Like, yeah. I think if you're an actor of his quality and then you, somebody just gives you a role like this where you can just have fun with it. Like, yeah. It's like going to work in like, like a free play day kind of a thing. Yeah. So, so Borgnine, he sees snake walk through and he follows him. He seems to know who he is somehow. Like, this is our first inkling that, I guess, Snake is kind of a celebrity. And it's kind of a... And there's an, also an ongoing theme throughout the whole film, too. Yeah. Did he say, I thought you were dead or yeah. I heard you were dead? So, yeah, that's the theme that goes on throughout the movie where it's everybody's weird. like, aren't you Snake Plissken? I thought you were dead. Yeah. I don't. We don't really time. know what it is that everyone seems to know. Is it? Do you think it's from his war? Probably just from antics? his war. Yeah. I'm okay. Sure. I'll buy that. Um, but... He he follows them down like into the bowels of this building, and there's some several dudes are like passing around another guy who's like all limp in their arms. I don't even want to know what's going yeah, on with that. We assume ahead. the worst, yeah. and then he beats up a couple of guys who try to jump him, and then he finds the guy with the bracelet on his arm, the mm-hmm. president's tracker, mm-hmm. and but it's not the president. But Mike yeah. knows who this guy yeah, was. Yeah, so this uh, the drunk is played by Buck Flowers. Buck Flowers has also been in another John Carpenter film, They Live, but you probably most know him from his dr- where he played the drunk in Back to the Future. So he's the drunk that's on the... Yeah. Uh, the um, the park bench, the park bench yeah. yeah, when Marty McFly shows up. So yeah, that's that's who this guy is. I, wonder, I feel it, like he plays a drunk in a lot of his It films. sucks to get typecast as a drunk guy. It doesn't suck to pay your bills. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> and be world famous because of that. But so uh, Snake is like, he gets on the radio and he tells him, look, I'm coming out. I mean, the president's not wearing the bracelet anymore. Yeah. And they tell him, you got 18 hours left, yeah. Snake. This is where this is where the hawk, the Lee Van Cleef character, really comes like the bad guy because they yeah. won't let him come out. Like he's like, you need to stay in there and find a president. For, I mean, for all we know at this point, he's the dead. Is dead. I think that's what he assumed. Snake. He's like someone had him for breakfast or whatever it was. He said. So like, what if the what if let's say Snake did find a president and he's a and, corpse and he was a corpse. Like, are they not gonna let Snake come out? That's not maybe if he had come up with the briefcase. But I, they I, seem to want the briefcase more they, than they wanted the president. True, but it's, I feel like none of this is Snake's fault yet. They're going <laughs> to let him die because of it. It, it just doesn't seem... I right. mean, I guess he was going to die in this prison, but that's not, whether it's that's 50 years from true. now or today. John Carpenter must have really hated government because... This was very political. Yeah, he shows in a very bad light. Yeah. You know, he didn't. They, they're not like the good police state. They're like a militant overbearing police state. I feel like, yeah, Carpenter was definitely making a statement with this yeah, movie. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, 
So Snake's like, all right, then. And he goes, he finds the president's pod. And then all these like creepy dudes start coming out of the woodwork. Yeah, it's weird because like somebody comes out and starts like tapping on the like a uh, the floor, the ground, or something like that. They don't even seem that interested in him. Yeah, they're just like out being creepy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. So this is an interesting part. Um, Snake, he's trying to like escape from these. They're called the crazies. Like I, yeah. I guess they're like a cannibalistic like sub. They live in the sewers they live or in something. The sewers. Like I guess you know you've lived in this world long enough this is what happened to you but he runs into this female like just hanging out in the <laughs> he in popped the, in the chock full of nuts yeah. <laughs> and he runs into this female that's just like hanging out in there and i think she says that she was out and about and she got she got caught out after dark so yeah. now she's kind of yeah. like stuck here there's no way chock full of nuts paid for that product placement i think they you think they did absolutely I remember that only in the vaguest sense of it being a restaurant, yeah. a chain. Yeah. But what in the world kind of chain was it? Oh, I have no idea. Okay. They, it doesn't even have a chock full of nuts. Yeah. It's just a corny ass title for yeah. a restaurant. But yeah, how the hell are there women in this prison? I don't understand how women would make it in this world. That is not humane yeah. to women. I, I understand why people would put them there. But I, I mean, there are women who belong to be locked up forever, yeah. but not thrown into a pit where it's like 20 to one male to female. And you know, it's just like going to be, you're going to be getting passed around or whatever. Yeah, I, don't, I don't, I don't know how women would survive in that society. That seems crazy yeah. to me. But so this female, it turns out she, she doesn't really give him any information. I think she might say something about the dude or something like that. She seems like she's willing to give herself to snake if he'll yeah. take her with him. But the funny part is she, the, the actress is Susan, uh, season Hubley, season Hubley. Yeah. And so she, she got she a was, special credit on the, opening credits like yeah. and featuring season hubley and she was kurt russell's wife so it's okay. kind of cool that he was able to sneak his wife into the the film i think they got divorced like the next year though <laughs> like, or soon after like i don't think they were married very long and then he when he know, didn't get her a part in the thing <laughs> and so then they started he started his like years long romance with goldie Hawn. yeah um so the the crazies they break into the building and they like someone pops up through the floor and grabs the woman grabs the and just pulls her down, down. through yeah. the floor. They so they don't really show it, but they eat her. Like, <laughs> you I think? don't mean like in a sexual way. I mean they like literally tear her apart and eat her because that's what they are. They're cannibals. See, I feel like in a normal movie, like that would have been the woman who tags along with the hero for the rest of the movie. You know, mm. and they didn't go that way with this. Yeah, this was more. Of, yeah, oh, yeah. I like that. Um, the snake runs out of there. He's being chased by the guys. And there's a nice bit where snake like takes his machine gun and he shoots a little hole. Like, he shoots a ring of bullets in the wall mm -hmm. and dives through where he'd like weakened the wall. But I mean, there would have been studs in that wall. Yeah, I'm just right. saying, I thought it was, it would have been funnier if you just bounced off a stud yeah, trying yeah. to dive through. Maybe it was in the outtakes. And I think he also <laughs> lost his walkie talkie around this time. Yeah. So now true. he can't communicate with, uh, the police anymore. Or, or he can't communicate with uh, the Lee Van Cleef character. Yeah. So in our first convenient uh, appearance of uh, Ernest Borgnine, he like pops out on the street. Snake does, and Ernest Borgnine just pulls up in a cab, and he's this like, "Hey, is, Snake, get in!" This dude is everywhere. <laughs> like we're talking about New York City here. Like, how does he just show up in these places? Like, and not only how does he show up, like how does he know where Snake is? Like. He just happens to show right outside of where Snake is as if he was waiting for him to come out of that, that building. Was, yeah. Like, he wasn't, like, driving and then, like, saw him out of the rearview mirror and, like, stopped and backed up. He pulled right up and stopped. Like, he knew he was there. So, it's kind of weird. 
All right, we'll be back next time with the other half of uh, our special episode on Escape from New York. 